Um, so last week and this week, we've been talking about missions as we're in October. It's Missions Emphasis Month, and so we're going to continue on with that thought. And so today, I've got a message entitled for us, The Mission of God, God's Heartbeat. God's Heartbeat. So usually we think of missions, we think of the Great Commission, right? And we talked about that last week. We talked a lot about the Great Commission. And so don't get me wrong, I love the Great Commission, but... It doesn't begin with the Great Commission. Mission begins with God. Begins with God's heartbeat. The first beat of God's heart was when he breathed into his church. Daryl Gutter writes this. He says, we have come to see that mission is not merely an activity of the church. Rather, mission is the result of God's initiative rooted in God's purposes to restore and heal creation. Mission means sending, and it is a central biblical theme describing the purpose of God's action in human history. Mission dia, or missio dia, if you look at it in the Greek term, means the idea of God's nature and expression extended to and stamped upon the world. The idea of God's nature and expression extended to and stamped upon the world. God the Father sends God the Son, who then sends God the Holy Spirit. All three send the church. Jesus expressed his own mission in Luke 4, verses 18 and 19, where we read, and this actually comes out of Isaiah also, where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom uh, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Paul also referenced the mission of Jesus in 1 Timothy verses 15 and 16 of chapter 1. He says this, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Listen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, again, the worst of sinners, he's saying, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. However, it was always God's plan to pass the mission on to the church. God, God never intended to do this on his own, right? God didn't say, I'm going to save the world by myself. God's plan throughout all time was to do it through his people, through his followers, through his believers. But to commit to, to invest in his followers and faithfully carry it out through his believers. That's where the heart of missions comes from, God's Heartbeats work through his people. Listen to what these couple verses from the Gospel of John say about us being sent out to carry the gospel message. John 20, verse 21, it says, Just as the Father has sent me, Jesus speaking here, he says, Even so I am sending you. And then again we see here in chapter 17, verse 18, Just as you sent me into the world, even so I am sending them into the world. Jesus is speaking to God. He's saying, just as he sent me from heaven down into the world, I am now sending them out into the world with the good news 
of the gospel, that they may reach those around them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Right, last week we touched on the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28. We also talked about how he didn't just say, I'm sending you or I'm sending you as believers. He also said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 before he left, I'm sending you empowered by the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world, that you may share the good news of the gospel. A missional church is a community of God's people that defines itself and organizes its life around its real purpose of being an agent of God's mission to the world. In other words, a church is true and authentic organizing principle is mission. It's all about reaching people. When the church is a mission, it's a true church. The church itself is not only a product of that mission, but it's obligated, it's destined to extend itself by whatever means possible. The mission of God flows directly through every believer and every community of faith that adheres to Jesus. To obstruct that is to block God's purpose in and through God's people. The gospel, if you look at it again in the Greek, comes from the words ou and anglican, good message. The good message. We have been given the good message. He has given us is a missions message. If it could not save every sinner, there'd be no reason to take it to every nation. But it was sent to save every single sinner. And as Paul said, even I, the worst of them. And the Great Commission calls and identifies the local church as the center for world evangelism. That's what we find in the Great Commission. It says the local church is the center for world evangelism. It said it started in Jerusalem and expanded outward. That was the, the local church at that point in time. That's why when I said last week, it's like starting in Chisholm for us, and then moving outward into Bulk and Hibbing, and then outward to St. Louis County, and then outward to the state of Minnesota, and then beyond to the rest of the world. The local church is the center for our evangelism and outward. And this morning I want to share with you three foundations to help us understand the mission of God or the heartbeat of God when it comes to missions this morning. The first foundation of the first point, a compassionate God. We serve a compassionate God. Where do I get that from? The description of God's love from John 3.16. You can repeat it with me this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? The description of God's love, John 3, 16. It's an extravagant love. It says that for God so loved. He so loved us. That, that gives us a picture of the love that God has for us. It's a love that's so infinite. It's a love that's everlasting. It's a love that has no bounds. It has no borders. It has no beginning and it has no I love the way Jeremiah 31.3 says it. 
It says, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I love you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. It's a love so incomprehensible that it passes our knowledge. It's a love that we can't even fully understand in our finite minds that we have. Ephesians 3.19 puts it this way, To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's a love that's so indiscriminate that it would be given to the least worthy sinners. Right? It's a love that has no qualifications. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves receivable of God's love. It, everyone is available to receive the love of God. We don't have to do X, Y, and Z to be able to receive God's love. It is available to all people. Amen. Right? Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Isn't that the greatest thing ever? Because mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I was a sinner long before I ever accepted Christ in my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> if we look back again at John 3.16, not only did God have this unbelievable love for us, but it's exhaustive. It says that God so loved the world, the whole world, God is not willing that any man shall perish. 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it, it talks about this idea that God is not slow in keeping His promise, as some should understand slowness. God does not desire that anyone should perish, but that all should come into a relationship with Him. Right? Or 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Right? God's desire is that each and every person that's ever been born would come into a relationship with Him. Why? That's why we're created. We're created for a relationship with our Creator. We sit here and we go, okay. And in that day and time, John 3, 16, right, they still had the issue of Jews and Gentiles, right? And is this gospel message for everyone? And today we know, yes, it's even for the Gentiles. But looking back at Isaiah 42, verses 5 through 7, it reads, This is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Available to all people, the whole world. So God so loved the whole world, and the third part of, of, of this love and, and of, of the, the compassion that God we have is that it's expressive. That He gave. He loves, 
the whole world that he gave. Going back to John 3.16. The demonstration of God's love that he has for us. Why? He promised a Savior to deal with the problem of sin that we have. Right? He said there's a problem with sin. And I've got a solution. I'm going to send a Savior to deal with it. If we go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, God's talking to Satan. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and he will strike his heel. Right? It, 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 sometimes you may have heard the term before, this is often called Provitangelism, meaning this is the first pronouncement of the gospel. This is, this, is, this is talking about, this is the first time we hear evangelism or the gospel brought up. Where God says there's going to be separation between man and Satan. Because I'm going to create separation. The promise was repeated and amplified throughout all of the Old Testament. And it rested upon the unconditional sovereign I will of God. All the acts of God in the Old Testament were performed with fulfillment of the promise of a Savior that was going to come in the New Testament. He provided a Savior to deal with the problem of sin that was rampant. When the plan of God was complete, God sent His Son to be the Redeemer of all mankind. Paul shares it this way in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. He says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive full rights of sonship. That we no longer had to live under the law, but that we could be free from the law. According to the eternal purpose of God, it says this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and at the end of three days, he rose again. To the everlasting praise of God, salvation is now offered on the sole condition of faith in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. So that's the first thing we look at. We've got a compassionate God. A compassionate God. Second thing we pull out of this, a foundation we can look at of God's heartbeat, is we've got a compelling message. There's a compelling message we can pull out of this. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, Paul is declaring that he is indebted to God to give the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says that I've heard the greatest message in the world. I'm compelled to go and share it with everyone who I can. He, he's such, this, such an obligation. He feels so compelled to share it. That in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, I love what he says. He says this. He says, yeah, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. 
Right? That's how strongly he felt that he needed to go and share the gospel message. Why? Because it's a distinct message. The gospel is very distinct. It's very different from every other religion, every other faith that there is out there. Number one, every other major religion relies upon performance for salvation. Every other religion has a performance that you have to do. Hinduism preaches a fourfold path to salvation. Buddhism leads its followers down an eightfold path to salvation. The salvation offered by Islam rests upon a five, five pillars. The gospel centers upon a personal salvation. Around a personal salvation. Jesus announced this in John 14, 6. He says this, I am the way. No man comes to the Father but by me. Peter declares in Acts 4, chapter 12, there is no other name whereby we must be saved. And then again, later in Acts chapter 13, verse 38, Paul says it this way, through this man, through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. The gospel finds its source, finds its content, finds its meaning in the person of Jesus Christ. Apart from him, there is no salvation. Other messages tell man what they must do to be saved. The gospel tells us what has been done that we may be saved. Other religions tell people what they must do to be saved. The gospel tells us what has been done that we may be saved. Also, it's a dynamic message. Again, Romans 1, we're going to read verses 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentile. For it is the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. The righteous will live by faith. The gospel is a very particular message as well. There are many messages in the Bible, but there's only one of them that qualifies as the gospel. The facts of the gospel are this, quite simply put. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And he rose again on the third day. Having completed by himself all that was necessary to, be, to redeem mankind. The gospel is a powerful message. The gospel is the one message that has the power to save us from our sins. The power of the gospel is subject to the following limitations. And we talked about this last week in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. It cannot save until it has first been believed. It cannot believe until it's first been heard. And it cannot be heard until it has first been preached. People need to hear, which means someone needs to tell them. And after people tell them, they have an opportunity to hear and receive and come to faith. The third point is a commissioned people 
Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Mark's version of the Great Commission. A, a point underneath this is every believer is involved. It means all of us are involved in this. This is not just for those who are called and sent as commissioned missionaries. Missions are imperative that we go, that we're active. Multitudes are born and die whether or not anyone is prepared to reach them. Millions of people are born and die without ever hearing about the gospel because people never go and reach them. We do not evangelize our generation or the next generation. Who will evangelize them? Missions are inclusive. No one is exempt from the responsibility to evangelize the lost. Each of us are responsible to reach out to the lost around us. Christ's commands mean that you are either sent or you are sending. But you cannot remain uninvolved and be obedient to Jesus Christ. So you are either sent or we are sending people. The message is not only about God's heart for missions, but it's also about our hearts and doing our parts when it comes to missions. Every person is being evangelized. The domain of missions is all the world. The demand of missions is to preach to every creature. So the domain is all the world. The demand of missions is every creature. We are not the initiators of missions. God is. But as part of his church, we are privileged to participate in God's ongoing mission to redeem and restore the world. So what can we do with this? How can we be a part of the mission of God? You can pray, you can give, or you can go. Maybe for you the next step is going on our church missions trip to Alaska next September. Getting actively involved in missions yourself and participating in a missions trip. Maybe it's one step further. Maybe you feel a tug on your heart to full-time missions, and God is calling you to a longer-term mission stay somewhere else. Maybe it's something here locally that God has placed on your heart, and there's something you feel you can do in our community around this area that God is calling you to do to impact and reach this community. There's a need you see, and God has placed something on your heart. Missions is stepping outside of our comfort zone and allowing God to expand our vision for the lost and hurting. However, right now I know that for each and every one of us, we can all do this. We can all pray. We can all give. No matter how little or how, how much it may be. And we can all go and we can all tell people about who Jesus is. Whether it's those in our family, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, or in our circles of influence that God has given us, we can all tell people about who Jesus is. Because evangelism is something that we can all do. Jesus is the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world, so that you and I and everyone else may have an opportunity to come into a relationship with the Lord. He is the one who was 
He is the one who was sent to redeem the world, bringing forgiveness and peace to all people. But we are the ones now who have the task of sharing that good news with the world. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know what? I understand that, but I haven't yet made that decision to actually ask Jesus into my heart. And today I want to make that decision. So real quickly, what I'm going to ask is with every head bowed and every eye closed with no one looking around. Uh, if, if, if you want to make that decision this morning, you're saying, you know what? I'm ready to make that personal decision and ask Jesus into my heart. With no one looking around, all I'm simply going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand up in the air real quick. And then you can put it right back down. So if you'd like to make that decision this morning. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. For those of you who made that decision this morning, and for those of you who have ever made that decision before, I'm going to simply ask you to just repeat after me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth to be the perfect example and to live the perfect life, to die for my sins. I give my life to you from this day forward. I love you. In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen. This morning, as we close out, I just want to encourage you and just remind you that God's love for you is, is so unbelievable. It's so vast. It's so unconditional. It, it, it has no qualifications. And it's strong enough that it can break every bond that you have in your life. It can free you from every addiction that you may have. It can heal you from every disease that you may have. forgives you from every sin that you may be trapped in. God can restore you from any situation that you find yourself in. So this morning we're going to close out with a time of prayer. 